I'm extremely excited about the moment, actually, to tell you the truth, because I think we are able to witness something very special in our métier, I call it. And I'm not sure where the journey will, you know, is going to take us, but I want to be part of this. I'm ever so glad to be able to be part of that. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. It seems like a long stretch from Austria's Tyrolean mountains to a marriage with Vivian Westwood, the queen of punk. But Andreas Kronthaler made that leap. And now, at every fashion show in Paris, both names are together on the invitation and the label, with Andreas first. The dynamic duo has transformed a story of sex, fun and rock and roll into a thoughtful and successful brand. It now has a goal of activism, sustainability and a mission to persuade people to shop wisely and consciously. What did Andreas bring from his roots? Was he inspired to study carved jewellery from the influence of his blacksmith father? And how did he move from jewellery to fashion? Andreas, usually leaving the talking to Vivian, is about to reveal his life story. Here she is. It's like waiting for her to come to the show. Hello. Hello, Susie. Am I visible? You're very visible. And one can hear you as well. It's a miracle. When everything goes right, it's a miracle. It probably won't last. I'm just finishing a cup of tea. Good. I had a chai tea latte, which wasn't that great, actually. <laughs> Your mug is from the v I saw it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm well informed you are. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so looking forward. You know, I, I don't really believe I've ever had any sort of deep conversation with you, so it's a double pleasure for me. For me too. I'm, you know, I've never done a podcast, and, and it's great to do the first one with you. So here we are. Because we know each other Really, really, really long time. Because I was thinking, I was cycling here. I'm in the press office in, 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 in Conduit Street. And I thought, how long is it? And I think it is going back to, um, to Asadina Laya when we did the show there the first time, you know, when Vivian went back to Paris again in, 1990. Yes, well, I'm sure I was there. I was there at the start of just about everyone. Yes, I know, I know. It's remarkable. There's a few who, um, of course, haven't stayed the course, but um, there we are. Anyway, I'm longing to start this conversation. Yes. So do we start, Susie, start. All right, I'll start. I'll try and start with the right accent and everything here. Andreas, save the world. Let fashion find its own way. That is your clarion cry for the Vivian Westwood brand. Buy only what you need. Quality versus quantity. You and your partner Vivian have made a distinct decision to change and move into a more circular fashion label. Do you both feel passionate about this? Is it a passion? And when did it start? It started... I actually believe it always was mm, kind of like that. 
as 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 long as I know Vivian, I always f- think she she stood for all these things you just um, mentioned in your little introduction. But maybe very obviously, God knows, is it ten, twelve years ago? There was a charity, Cool Earth. She joined. I would have. It's very hard to talk from talk to, uh, about the past, but I think it's twelve years ago or something like this. And this is when she was got very much aware of the devastation of of climate change, you know, and 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 how much we as um, as as people who make things are actually part of it. You know, we we are we have got this responsibility. You know, we are part of this destruction to to uh, to you know say it very blandly. Um, can can i ask you a question here because yes fashion has done many bad things and is um part of the bad side but a lot of people are really being more thoughtful and i mean you yourselves can you actually explain to me how you're transforming the westwood brand into a more sustainable one i think the main uh, motto is actually re- re- reducing reduction is i think is the main secret is what do you really what's really essential to whatever you want to say or express and um because i think one of the great problems of of, of the time we are in or living is consumption and it's overconsumption is um is maybe having things one doesn't need or one doesn't even uh, know one one has even you know it's been so bad in the last decade it's gone crazy really hayward in so many ways and you know therefore maybe this 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 t- time now we are in we don't need to talk about it very much but it ha- it has put a little stop on that and i think that's maybe a, a slight positive side effect of it for all I know you know that people aren't so blindly jumping into buying things or consuming things they think to a bit more about it what what and so on you know I think it's about get, get getting to the end essence of things and I've done this or we have done Vivian as well you know because it's 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 uh, since five years I'm doing this AK for VW and right from the beginning, I made a collection very, very tight, and uh, and I tried to use as as you know as as much recycled fabrics. You know, in those you know five, six, seven years ago, it was much, much harder to actually source things. Nowadays, it's you know, luckily everybody is um, is aware of the of the problem and aware that you know fashion is. Uh, he's ha- de- having a big part in it, you know. Um, there's one thing, though, I, I want you to explain to me. Um, I- yeah. I've been following you on Instagram, and you've been yes. very busy in your bubble, photographing a Vivian's appearance weekly. So you, each time yes. she's wearing a new outfit um, and adding yeah. a message to save the world and the big picture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you explain this ritual and your YouTube videos as well? And how all this of showing new clothes, different ones each week, sort of fits in with what you've just said, that you there mustn't be too much consumption? No, uh, I have never stopped really working in, in, in this period. and um, But of course I slowed down very much so in the in the first lockdown. And, um, and in the first week Vivian asked me to, to uh, film her w- w- with a message she wrote. And um, 
I, I remember the first one was she was actually in pajamas and it was in the evening and I just did her in the front room and stuff and she liked it very much. I showed it to her afterwards and then she, she it was this Friday speech and we got into a kind of routine and uh, build it up week week on week on and I because I said I was working and went actually quite a bit to alone on my own to the office and of course there are samples around and I just saw something and I thought oh that you know that might look good on Vivian you know and and you know I like dressing up Vivian I always did she's for all I know my 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 greatest muse, as they call it. And, um, you know, every week passed by and um, it was a little ritual, as I said. You know, she wrote the speech. It took her always two, three days, you know her. And then she had to learn it because I I always filmed her and she had to say it in one take. So she had to really say it out in one go. And she got really nervous and sometimes we quarreled a little bit and... Anyway, we, we ventured out from the front room in the back garden and then we had little walks around the common or we went down the churchyard. Every week we, we kind of elaborated a bit on, 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 on the theme or something, you know, whatever she wanted to talk about and what was her um, course. Obviously, uh, I have known for a very long time, and in my own mind, there's a little bit of a difference between the rallying cry now that you're doing and the idea of encouraging people to buy better. And I remember Vivian right back in the wild world of swinging London um, 40 years ago. So um, there's a bit of a change, isn't there, that we're seeing? Is there a change? I do think she is a, a true punk at heart, really. I mean... Uh, I've, you know, met so many punks, which I don't think are that much of punks, you know, it's not something, but I think she stood then even for what she stands today. I think there isn't that much of a difference. She always made clothes very consciously and, and tried to make them last and they've got a certain, you know, timelessness always to them and uh, a, a certain look and, uh, you know, I mean... For all I know, that's the most um, circular thing you can do, making things which, you know, you can keep on wearing and you you look or you look good in them, you know. And even if they, you know, fall to pieces or fall off you, they'll still look great, even better for all I know. I, I want to ask you something. You've been together, haven't you, you and Vivian, for 30 years. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think people will be interested. I know you've just said you don't want to be looking back, but it's interesting to know when it all started. I think I'm right in saying it was when Vivian was teaching students in your native country of Austria. You were in college in Vienna at the School of Applied Art and you were 25 years old. What was your first impression? Absolutely mesmerised. I've just thought she was so uh, over so such a powerful personality you know and one the first thing was the way she looked I just thought she looked incredible she had this um, cat suit on in fine knit argyle cat suit and a, and a big plaid and, and a Scottish plaid and anyway and she had this magnifying glass and a little wooden pearl bag and she came into the room and, and, and she sat down and, and, and she started to speak. And it's actually, 
more so when she started to speak, I just really connected with her because suddenly she, you know, she opened you all these doors. You know, when you're young, you, you, you are, you are just, you're in your world. And then suddenly there is somebody who suddenly puts words to what you have always thought and explains it. And, and you feel, uh, ah, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, it's good what I'm thinking or it's right or I, you know, it's not that bad. Or, do you know what I mean? You, you come out of your bubble, your, your, your youth bubble or whatever you call it, your youngness. So, Andreas, uh, I want to go back even further. I want to go back to the beginning, your beginning, your family life in Austria. I mean, we think, we think of it as a country with a glorious past just like those buildings that make you feel the weight of history. But now that you've been attached for such a long time to the UK, do you still feel that part of you belongs to your birthplace? I, I believe you were brought up in the Tyrolean Mountains and your father was a blacksmith and your mother was from a family of dairy farmers. Uh, people are going to think I've invented this and it seems like a long way from fashion. What did you take away from your childhood when I guess you were wearing lederhosen? What, what sort of change was there and then when you went to study in Vienna how was your childhood I had a very nice childhood but when you really go back and you really get in, in, in involved in it it wasn't I always wanted to get away from there if I if I really be truthful but it was very great to grow up there because I grew up in nature and uh, I think that gives you an advantage in some way or the other I'm, I'm really glad I did so and uh, as soon as I could, which I was, I was maybe 14 years old, I left home and I went to this school where I could make a O levels or A levels or however you call it. And you as, at the same time can learn a craft. And I decided to become a, a goldsmith because I thought it was the most nearest to fashion I could kind of get because to become a fashion designer was completely alien. I wouldn't know how to even start to become one, you see. But Goldsmith, I thought, was... And I loved jewellery, and I, I went to, to Graz. It's a, a, a town in Styria. And went to school there for five years and learned to become a yeah, goldsmith. And happened to have a great teacher there. I was quite lucky with my teachers all along, who they always supported me and understood my inclinations or talents or whatever you call it, you know. I never knew that you were a goldsmith. Well, you could still be one. Is it something that you followed through? We design, you know, I design jewellery since right from the beginning. It's always a very, very big um, part of work, working with Vivian. Right from the beginning, I made a big emphasis on jewellery and stuff. So for me, it's a great way of, you know, finishing off an outfit or a look. It's, 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 it's part of it. When not sometimes more important because it can, it speaks a lot, you know, very personal and, and interesting. Anyway, yes, no, I, it, I learned it, like I said, four years and you are in these little cubicles and you are, you are rather concentrating on quite small things. And it was, I wanted to do bigger things. I wanted to be, you know, out there and it was always too confined, this, this work. And in the end, you have to be very passionate and it has to really fit to your character. In the 
this last decade alone, you've increased your involvement in the Vivian Westwood image and the style and the designs, and your name is now officially beside Vivian's on the label. Do you think that the key to the Westwood universe will always be the same? A mixture of wit and historic wisdom and, let's say it, sex, sexuality. Sex sells. No, I'm just... It's just a a joke. No, I think... I think, yeah, it's gone through a lot of different periods. And, uh, but I think it's been always been very truthful and has never really sold out or whatever it's called. You know, it, it was always, uh, Vivian, she, I mean, she was my teacher as well at one point and I, and she taught me to just stick to what you like, you know, and what you believe in. And, and first and overall, that's what has to be there. And then, you know, it's it's up to the people to judge it and see what they can do with it. And um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, there is a big, I think, vocabulary in the Westwood world and in my world. And um, uh, I, I hoped I, you know, I was able to add as as much as I can. One thing that I believe you did add is this playing with gender as as part of um, fashion uh, very early on in the West, Westwood world. I mean, maybe Vivian herself started it in the 1980s, around the same time as Jean-Paul Gaultier. But I, I sort of feel that gender fluidity now plays an important, party, important part for you and for the Westwood world. Am I right? Yes. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a language... Yes, it's, it's, it's something we do and something I very much like and appreciate and uh, as you said you know uh, humor and all these these uh, these are qualities I, I thought were at one point not that much around it's much you know things have changed and go, went on and go I'm less Susie less interested maybe at present about it I've I've I quite like again the difference between a man and a woman and um that there could be very clear codes of of dressing. I'm, I'm more getting to that again. Andreas, I'm so interested in the fact that I had no idea that you'd had this training as a goldsmith. Because, yeah. you know, I went to Kenya in 2012 and I saw all the work that the Vivian Westwood brand does with um, the United Nations, the EFI, the Ethical Fashion Institute, which is headed up by this, the wonderful Simone um, Ciprioni. And I will never forget standing there in Kenya, in the mud up my ankles, watching a symbol of your Westwood orb being cast with the brand forged in brass. Can you explain how you work and cooperate with these people? I've seen the same as you have, and I was extremely impressed and 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 delighted when I saw it because it gave it this very different quality, which you couldn't do in an in a kind of industrial way. And it had this really homemade thing, and it was a bit off and a bit missing. And it was their way of seeing the orb, the, the logo, you know, and interpreting it. And, and casting it in sand, really kind of r- rather roughly. It was a, a, a great, it be, oh, still is, a, an absolute fantastic collaboration because you you work with the people there and you you take in what they are able to do, you know. It's, it, it, it gives you certain limitations, but out of these limitations you create something. 
And and a lot of these things, you know, are again recycled things. These things they find on rubbish dumps and you know, funny plastic sheetings from from trucks and I don't know all kinds of things. They do all this hand printing, and they and at the at the beginning it was very very you know cottagey. At one point, they got he got it together, and they had a little they have a little workroom studios, and you know, and a bit of a because they got orders in, you see, and so they, they therefore, as soon as you have orders in, you have to get you have to organize yourself and try to fulfill these orders, and you know, they got therefore money and a wage, and it was brilliant because they they created something. They were part of this of fashion, you know, you know. In, in, and, and they they were very aware of this, or are aware of this. Vivian herself, as we know, has tremendously strong feelings in, on many issues. And um, do you have the same feelings yeah. yourself? Um, I don't mean that, of course, you're not a, a careless person. Of course you care about these things. But at the same time, I get the impression, perhaps I'm wrong, that Vivian has been doing for the last five or seven years making a tremendous um, effort um, to bring things into the um, light and that I wouldn't say you've been left, but you have stepped in to do um, a lot of the actual fashion side yeah. of the business. I try to, you know, she, she her activism is growing and growing or grew and grew. And um, I try to, I support it, of course. And uh, whenever I really feel like I even take part in it but I more and more looked after the fashion side and the daily you know chores of work and and so she has the space and the time to do these things because it's it's very time consuming to you know communicate to 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 to, to, to write things up and to you know take part in god knows and even if it's just demonstrations and god knows what you know she's all over the place she's full of surprises really She's, she's fantastic. You're always rather modest publicly about keeping the glory in Vivian's hands. But I'd like to know from you, from your lips, how you define your contribution, is the word I need, for the Vivian Westwood label. You know, she, she I don't know, she, she would be probably better to, dis, to, to explain or describe that. But maybe it's, she, you know, she, she's, a, she's a woman, she's a woman designer and... Therefore, she's very practical and, and, and sees it from this point of view. I'm a man and I'm a male designer and I think they think a little bit different. And it, there is always this complimenting each other part of it. And I think at the, right at the beginning, you know, I, she liked, you know, things you can wash or she thinks about things like this, you know. I didn't at that point, you know. I thought the the most the most greatest thing is a ball gown, you know, it, it, something you wear, God knows, just for a few few seconds. All the effort has gone into that, and uh, things like you know. And she had the corset, and the corset was right up my street, you know. It was all on display, and I I, I suddenly saw a, a possibility to to construct things around this corset and you know and, and yeah and suddenly there were ball gowns or wedding dresses and all these things they weren't really you didn't really see that many and at that time or that moment 30 years ago anyway so maybe that's one thing I did bring to it and um, it must be maybe my my goldsmith background but I love when things are made very well and 
I care very much how things are made and um, it's part of fashion as well. And I think it lacked at that point a little bit because I remember going the first time I went to a Vivian Westwood shop here in London. I loved the clothes and I loved everything, but I didn't like the way it was made because it was all a bit cottagey. And when was this, Andreas? Early 90s, early 90s. And then we had the possibility to uh, produce in Italy and... Uh, Nobody really wanted that in the company, I remember. And I said, no, no, we have to. It's a wonderful factory and I will do it. I will do it. And I didn't have any experience or any of these things. You know, I jumped right into the, into the deep water, so to say. And, um, but they brought this necessary hand to it, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, because, I mean, I think that... Actually, Vivian has been very lucky because you saw things perhaps on a slightly more international level, but also you saw things on a practical level. Um, you know, I've been looking, obviously, about all the things you're creating now, and I see that from that studio in Battersea, you um, have a couture division of the Westwood Company and a bridal selection. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. these are things that people don't, I would imagine, think about very often, but um, they're part of your wider international business. And the wedding side, um, is it really a private business out of the UK? Does it go internationally? Is it really, is it classic? Is it classic with a twist? How would you describe all these things? It's the typical uh, language of Westwood, which has established itself over so many years. You know, that is the essence of it. And there is a, a kind of prêt à porter line, which is we call it semi couture so you you it is it gets sent all over the world it's an, it, it's an international uh, collection and people try it on and then they can order the dress of the size they need and then we have another part which is the couture collection where, where people can come and really have a made to measure gown um which you know if 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 they which, which in many in many cases I get involved as well, and sometimes even Vivian, depending you know who it is or what it is. And and we've built this up right you know twenty twenty five years ago. Uh, she always I must say even before me she always had a, a clientele, but it was like making bondage trousers and you know all these old classics. You know people could come to Vivian and get these things done one you know one piece. Then I started to build up a, a team and uh, very fantastic people and, you know, pattern cutters and sewers and, you know, we still have this, you know. So my, loads of the people, even from this time, are still working with us. How many people are we talking about altogether, very roughly? It's 220 people all, all over the world. It's not big, but it's not small. <laughs> It's it's a nice uh, size, and you, it's a bit it's it's still a little bit like a family business, you know. You do know the people, and as I said, you have people who who are working with you since thirty years or something, you know. Of course, they have become part of you. think of yourself as British 
or do you still feel tilt yourself towards your native country? I feel quite British now. And it's only since the la in the last few years I kind of made peace with, you know, I went away from there and didn't really think very much, thought it was all a bit uninteresting. But one does come from somewhere and one does have roots and they are my roots. And I actually started to appreciate them more and more over the years, over the last few years. But I never thought I would end up here in, in England and in London. Didn't really think very much at the beginning of it, thought it was a rather odd place, to tell you the truth, because... I don't know, it was just... I even thought Vivian was a bit different. I, you know, we, we lived in a little flat, council flat then, and there was a big bay window, you know, where you woke up, and then, and then it was raining outside, and even a bit damp in the room and all these things, and she would wake up and she'd say, oh, my God, what a lovely weather and stuff. And I thought, damn, she's mad, you know. But it's the English, and uh, <laughs> I got to really... And I'm like this now. I like the rain. and <laughs> I like when they give you the beer and it swaps over in the pub, you know? I, all, all these small little things, I, I thought were peculiar at the beginning. But, uh, well, so you've become, you've become very British. Become very British. We've had quite a little conversation here and I, I want to ask you something as we come to the end. You're always rather modest publicly talking about yourself. You keep the glory in Vivian's hands, even though that you now have your name um, written on the clothes. I'd like to know really about you. How do you define your own contribution to the company, the company of Vivian Westwood? What do you say as your rallying cry or as your great achievement in this story? It is quality versus quantity. It always has been. Um... And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much trying to, to, to go into new territories. I'm trying out things. I experiment a lot. And um, as I said right at the beginning, I'm not the person who tends to look back. I have, you know, not my glory. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit brought up in this way. You know, one doesn't put oneself for, for into the foreground and, you know, this kind of thing. But I keep keep on going and I enjoy it and every now and again I'm I'm quite happy with what I do or I have achieved but most of the time you know not that much actually to be to tell you the truth but it keeps you going you know it's next time you, you, you do it better or you try to do it better. Does Vivian who I admire so much and who knows me quite well. Does she know that we're having this conversation today? No, she doesn't. I didn't have time to actually tell her, but on the way back, I will tell her when I come home when we have dinner. I'm sure she is happy for us to, to talk. I hope so. Oh, yes, she is. Is there anything else that you feel that I don't know from the outside? Because, you know, I, I've seen so much of you over the years, but I wouldn't yes. say that I have... Um, uh, as a journalist, one doesn't really get to the inside of somebody unless they choose to tell you. Is there anything you feel that I don't understand, either about your relationship with uh, Vivian or about what you design or how your um, past affects your present and future? I'm extremely excited about the moment, actually, to tell you the truth, because I think we are able to witness something very 
special in our metier, I call it. And I'm not sure where the journey will, you know, is going to take us, but I want to be part of this. I'm ever so glad to be able to be part of that, if you know what I mean. That's what I'm at the moment. I'm thinking, you know, about January, February. What are we going to do? What, what, what do I want to do? Uh, it's all this, you know. It, it, and there is a team, as I mentioned a couple of times before, I care about and hope hope we I can keep all that up, if you know what I mean. When you talk, or when we talk about COVID, you really think that this is more than just a passing medical problem which is soon going to be solved. You feel that it's a symbol or a signal of really major change. Is that right? I think it, it should be, or it could be. When not now, when then? I mean, if you know what I mean. You, it's it, Now you can... You can change things or put things into another direction. And I think, I mean, everybody needs to know this for themselves. I'm just talking for, my, for, for myself here. And I, I really hope I can make the most of it and get it as, as, uh, as much as, as I would want it to be with all the people around me. Does this make sense? I think it make, must make sense also with Vivian. I think that your husband and, and wife really um, working together with the same, in a different way, but with the same ends in view. You know, it was very much, I've heard this a few times now over this period about, you know, buy less, you know. Now it's all, you are, you, you know, she was right all the, all the way along. I mean, you know, now it's, it's obvious, it's hitting us into the face. But, you know, there is more to it all, you know, and uh, and we all have to take part of it and re- take take a certain responsibility in it all, you know. What do you think, Susan? Now I have to ask you something. I'm the journalist. What do you think about Paris next season? How? What's your feeling about how is it going to be? I think it's a bigger question. Um, it seems to me that not just in Paris, but in Italy and certainly yeah. in New York, yeah. that the there has been a feeling for quite a long time that the the model the old model is not for everybody and um it may be all right to have some people um keeping up the old regime particularly those with enormous amounts of money in those paris houses yeah. and they can yeah. afford perhaps to do things twice over that they can have a live yeah. fashion show and also a digital event and they have those possibilities. I think that other companies, particularly the small ones, are going to have to make a choice. Personally, I feel for the touch of the human hand and the eye, the human eye, and be able to see things directly. I don't really want to see them through looking through a screen. No, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. I think nothing is impossible, but it certainly gives us a different view on fashion. And I'm just trying to work out now in my head where fashion shows are going to go. There are many of them that maybe we won't miss them too much and maybe they'd got stale. I think the main thing is that there are always going to be shows that are exciting and energetic and that we want to follow. And if a few of the um, dead branches fall off after this, it may not be such a bad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Very well said. It's fascinating talking to you. It's real joy and pleasure. And let's do it again. Yes, any time, any time. Thank you very much for talking to me. It's been a joy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Bye, Susie. Bye.
What an amazing story you've told us from your childhood amongst nature in the Austrian countryside to life with Vivian Westwood. What you revealed was a mix of bravery and loyalty and added unexpected details of the Westwood tale we thought we knew so well. It was a pleasure and a revelation to hear the story. My next podcast will come close to the drama of new American politics and how Wes Gordon, the designer who recently dressed Kamala Harris for her acceptance speech, has taken over the spirit of Carolina Herrera. Don't miss it. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels.